Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, an international five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete. I'm here recording in very sunny Aiken, South Carolina. It feels like it is summer again, but it is November. So uh, what about you, Tyler? What's going on over there? I am Tyler Held. I am a mostly retired professional five-star groom. I am a certified mental performance consultant with my doctorate in sport and performance psychology. I am a lifelong learner, adventure seeker, crafter, um, and also a gym owner and purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I am recording in Chester County, Pennsylvania, which might not be as sunny as Aiken, but I think it is supposed to be 78 degrees here tomorrow. So we have been getting... Um, unseasonably warm weather as well, mixed in with some cold nights here and there. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I do have to ask about the addition of crafter into your uh, introduction. I mean, I I, I know that you have, you enjoy craft, but I I love that that's part of your identity now is a crafter. I I felt like it was part of who I am. Like I, uh, this weekend went down to my parents' house and I like I knitted my brother's dog a scarf and then I made my dad like a little like fleece tie blanket. And then the other craft that I've gotten really into is like resin. I don't know if you've ever seen like you can make like hard like coasters and I've made some bookmarks yeah. and um so I'm getting really into resin and and stuff like that. And I'm making almost all of my Christmas presents this year, like our, our handmade homemade Christmas presents. So it's just, I'm a crafter. I love that. And I'm also looking forward to seeing um, your homemade Christmas presents. Oh yeah. I have to show you what I made, what I made slash am making for my dad, because I'm pretty jazzed about it. Like I couldn't really start an Etsy page, but I feel like I've turned a lot of my passions into business. (laughs) Well, maybe I'll just keep this one as like a hobby. I, I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Nothing or, or everything doesn't have to make you money, right? Some of it can just be for the enjoyment. So well, keep it as a hobby. To be honest with you, one of the, like when I talked to Alexis um on the podcast about like luxuries for your soul and like to love the horses enough, I just had this really big, reminder to myself that like it life isn't as serious as you make it and you can do things just for the joy of doing them um and that's that's crafting for me not that like I don't bring joy to jujitsu and sports psychology and everything else but like crafting I took a school horse around an elementary starter trial in an avocado costume and it's like that is not neither crafting nor riding Henry around um, are advancing my career or life in any way, except the joy that it brings me. And that's okay. And I think that's something that as someone who is type A and driven and motivated, you need to be reminded of. I love that. That's a great reminder. And I will 
keep that in mind moving forward. So well, you're, um, having like a, you're having like a really fun horse show. Um, yeah, yeah, we are having a fun horse show on the farm. Um, it'll already be done by the time this podcast is released. But yeah, yeah, I forward to it. We'll probably we can put some pictures of it with this episode because I'm really excited oh, sure. to hear about. It. But anyways. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was like, I feel like we've gone off on some tangents already, but uh, getting us back on track, we'd like to welcome you or welcome you back to the whole Equestrian Podcast. As we said in our intro, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. And we do this by having conversations about being more well-rounded individuals through our pillars, which are mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. We release one main episode a month. Actually, that's a lie now release two every month correct Tyler yeah and um you've had a ton of guests on the show recently yep first and third Monday of every month minus October because October was a crazy month for me and I didn't I, I dropped the ball for October but um you can see and expect two episodes a month Emily's coming on when she can and we're doing you know a couple episodes with her still but um yeah lots of fun exciting guests um on the show great so uh what are we going to talk about this month so this month we're going to do like a year end wrap up and review and um I think in the past we've done some like random random talking episodes at this point of the year but I want to kind of take it as life lessons of things that we've learned. I feel like we both had a very uh, influential year of our lives of growing and learning and highs and lows. And so we're just going to kind of talk through some of those from our perspective, but also kind of boil them down into the lessons that our listeners can take away for themselves. Great. uh, Awesome. So before we do that, let's do our normal segments of goals, word of the year. And then, of course, we'll get into books, books, books. Um, But let's start with uh, your goal and anything related to your word of the year, Emily. Okay, so my word of the year has been create. And uh, it's just to remind me that like, I am in control of my life and I can create the life that I want. Uh, It's been a great word for me this year. Um, Currently, I'm just trying to create uh, the the farm business, um, my team here at the farm, all of those things. There's been a lot of creations this year. Um, but also, as Tyler mentioned before, I'm having a, a fun show here at the farm, November 19th, for anyone that's in Aiken. Uh, again, this is going to be released afterwards, so I guess no point in reaching out. But um, yeah, so I'm we're making this fun show, so I'm giving a lot of attention to like creating that. Um, yeah, and as far as goals this year um I haven't had any specific set goals but just trying to use my word towards creating the life I want basically um and I think it's been pretty successful I would give it you know two thumbs up on that like I think I've I've crushed some goals even though I haven't set super specific goals but yeah slightly vague 
but um, that's just how I'm feeling at the moment. Sometimes vague goals so. are better than smart goals, so I'm I'm right there mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. So, what about you? Um. So, my word of the year is paragon, which is like an example of excellence, and one of the transitions, revelations, um, knowledge pieces that has come to me with that word paragon is that a lot of quote unquote idols, influencers, if you might call them, um, try to be that, right? They try to be like, look at me, I'm following the proper diet and you can see my abs and look at me putting in the work and like, here's the result. And they never show the negative flip side of like what they're struggling and what they're going through. And so I feel like the evolution is as a paragon, what I need to do is to be vulnerable, right? Like my kids in kids class are going to learn a lot more from a coach who can share experiences about wins and losses than just wins, right? Because then if I'm just the, oh, I win everything because I work so hard. um, If I do have a kid that loses a match, they're going to feel pretty crappy about themselves because that's not the culture that you're creating, the environment that you're creating. And so to me, one of the biggest transitions there is just like, hey, what is excellence? Excellence is sloppy. Excellence is messy. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Like, um, and that's part of it is not hating yourself for that, rolling with the discomfort, rolling with some of those, you know, not desirable things. And we had a, a guest on last month that kind of talked about, yeah, we all want the perfect body. Um, we all want the the gold ribbon gold gold ribbons gold medals and ribbons and stuff like that but at the end of the day like we're not always going to have that and so being someone that can represent both sides of the spectrum of wins losses successes failures tension um positivity that to me is what being a paragon is I love that and I think you uh are a shining example of that I think you offer people a lot of vulnerability and that's why you're able to help people so much in the sports psychology field so bravo and then um for my goals um i'm looking at my little list right now and but the first one on the list is to read a book in portuguese and i have been doing my portuguese lessons every day so i guess it's probably time to find like a little uh, first grade level book to to try to read and see how I do with it um, because we're we're nearing the end of the year um, and then what I want to do is to support my jujitsu students in the gym and in the competition to foster growth mindset um, this weekend I actually have the most kids competing at a tournament since I opened the gym so that will be a great opportunity to work on that goal And it was funny earlier in the year, um, I said I had a goal of put in my best effort at um, my competitions and produce a podium finish at the Pan American Championships and the World Championships. And when I wrote that goal, um, that was for like the gi. So we do Mm -hmm. jujitsu in our gi or or without our gi. It's called gi and no gi. Um, And I ended up 
finishing on the podium. I got a silver and a bronze at the Nogi Pan American Championships, and I'll be headed to the Nogi World Championships in December. Um, so I'm hoping that I can continue that momentum. I feel like I've locked into some things in my own mindset and my own journey. So I'm looking forward to kind of putting that out to the world. Yeah, that's super exciting. And like, congratulations on those that finish. Um, cool. I still have to, like, I understand the difference between gi and no gi, like that you're wearing something versus you're not I mean, you still are clothes in no gi, obviously, right. but right. what, so, what makes it harder or different? I mean, like it just. This, it's, it's like, so it's real simple. So the gi is like that kimono. You wore a gi when you yeah, came to class. Yeah, I remember that. So no gi, you would think about just wearing like uh, tights and a tight shirt. Um, and in gi, you are completely allowed to grab onto the uniform and use it. So there's a lot mm. more complexity to the gi because I can choke you with your gi. You can choke me with my gi. Um, I can use it as as a something to grip onto and a weapon. And in no gi, it's just like a little bit more fast paced, sweaty, slippery, like you can wiggle out of things and there's less submissions available because there isn't the gi. Ah, uh, okay. Now cool. you know. So you you uh did well in the scrappier version, basically. I did well like, in the scrap. I like gee better than I like mm-hmm. no gee, but I apparently hmm. I scrap in no gee. So yeah, nice, cool. But, um, anyways, I think that that kind of sums it up for goals and words of the year, and it brings us right to books, 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 books. books. Wow, I think we nailed that. All right. I think, I love it. I think yeah. our timing was on. All right. Um, so, what have you been reading, Emily? I am currently reading a book called Breath by James Nestor. And um, I got this book when I was in England last year. One of my friends over there gave it to me. And like, it's just one, one of those books that I was like, oh, it looks interesting, but I never like I was reading something else and then I just forgot about it for a while and then I found it on my bookshelf the other day and so started reading it and um yeah it's really it's all about breathing hence the the title breath but it's uh like the subtitle is the new science of a lost art so it's basically this guy um has done all this research on breathing and like you know, obviously people have been breathing forever, uh, but there's a lot to breath and like uh, people long, long ago, like understood the importance of proper breathing and, you know, and yoga, that's a big part of it, um, like doing breath work and that sort of thing. But um, kind of interesting, he talks about the evolution of how our faces have actually changed over time due to like how we breathe and stuff and how, you know, most people in today's world, especially like the Western world, um, breathe incorrectly, like a lot of mouth breathers in the West. And um, so he basically kind of breaks down like the, the, uh, problems with breathing through your mouth and just like how to optimize your breathing and he 
he undergoes these like experiments on himself. Um, like, for example, this one thing, he, this is under supervision, like doctor supervision, but they basically like these things in his nose. So he couldn't use his nose to breathe. And he had, he lived that way for, I think like 10 days or something. And he got like sick and he like had all these other, they did all these marker tests to see, you know, basic vitals, but also some other things. Um, but yeah, it was just like fascinating how quickly you kind of decline if you don't use your nose to breathe. And like, that's just only part of it. Um, but it's, I, I'm very interested by the book and I will tell you that I've been really aware of how I'm breathing. And I think in general, I breathe through my nose and, uh, but I have noticed sometimes when I'm riding and I don't think about it, I like breathe through my mouth. And then like now I've been purposely trying to close my mouth and breathe through my nose as I'm riding and, um, it's helpful. So. It's, it's super interesting. I'm not probably giving it quite enough uh, of the technical stuff, but uh, yeah, it's changed the way I think about breathing for sure. That's sad news for a mouth breather, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure you do breathe through your nose some too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like I literally did go to a, a nose, like ear, nose and throat doctor. And I yeah. was like, just don't breathe through my nose and he goes yeah because your septum's super deviated and you have a spur and my brother got the corrective surgery and he was miserable and he told me it wasn't worth it and I hate pain and surgery so I just yeah fixed um but I have seen a lot of like have you seen like the mouth taping stuff for like sleep yeah like literally like tape your mouth I'm like yeah I would legitimately be afraid that I would die um well maybe try it like on a nap or something you know like have Tommy keep an eye on you yeah <laughs> yeah but this this book is talking about like how people with breathing problems can change like some of the structures in their body by retraining themselves how to breathe like it's super interesting like you should definitely read this book when I'm done with it yeah um, no I, if you want I, to I need to read um more books like that because my my books 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 um I actually it's five it's a five for one deal Emily um, oh okay good so I read um an entire fantasy series called a court of thorns and roses I don't know if you've like followed with any of the Instagram slash TikTok reels on books but it's very very popular on there um and okay. My boyfriend's sister and sister-in-law both read it. And then one of my friends from the gym was reading it. And I was like, oh, fine, I'll bite. Right. Like, I I mean, we've talked about this before. I have another series that I recommended on, on the podcast. Mm -hmm. that I see series. And you know what? I have decided that there is a lot of like value to reading fiction because the characters go through a lot of fears, anxieties, trauma, PTSD, like all of that stuff is addressed within the fiction realm. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I just like, like it and enjoy it. And Emily, these babies were like, the first one's not that big, but then like three of the books are like over 600 pages. And I tore them Dang. up. I read all five of wow. those. I'm like, 
a month, maybe a month and a half. I'd have to look at the date specifically. It was just good. It was entertaining. They were page turners. I loved them. And um, so, yeah, so I do have a couple nonfiction books that are on my radar. Um, There's one that I have coming that's called When when breath becomes air and it's actually a memoir of a neurosurgeon that got diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, my dad just got diagnosed with lung cancer. So, uh, I'm always one to sort of like educate myself in times of stress. And so that's one, um, it's interesting. It seems like, obviously there's all the, like how to survive lung cancer books out there, but like this one's more a reflection of like what it means to be faced with a diagnosis of, you know, the end is near. So I'm, I'm excited to read that one. And then I need to buy my favorite sport and performance psychologist, Dr. Michael Gervais just wrote a book and it's like, I think it's literally called, um, the first rule of mastery is forget, like stop caring what other people think. And so I love that. I just listened to a podcast of his today. Like he just has really, really good ideas that are very aligned with what I do in my practice. So I'm very much looking forward to that as well. But um, I don't, I guess I didn't really talk about like a court of thorns and roses other than like saying it's a fantasy series and they go through things, but um, yeah. We kind of just have to read it. Like I just it's, it's worth a read. Foundation is out there and there's like a fairy world and a human realm and there's a wall between them and there's conflict and war and just like something for everyone, really. Interesting. Okay. Cool, cool. <sighs> well, so, that yeah. that was a a, a good book, book, book. Segment. Yeah. I feel like there's like life lessons dispersed throughout this episode already, but um, do you want to get us started with um, a reflection, thought, tidbit information from this year? Yeah, I I do. I'm trying to think where exactly I want to go with this first. Um, got the farm. You've got the Maryland five star. You've got yeah. I mean, you've got lots of stuff, so. I, I Yeah, I'm just like, where where do I want to start? So, um, you know, I think one big lesson I learned or was reinforced is, like, you really can do anything you want to do. Like, if you put your mind to it and, like, you're willing to work hard and, you know, you have good support and all of that. And it sounds kind of cliche, but, like, um, you know, getting the farm this year, that was a, that was a pretty big move. And had I really like thought about it more, I maybe would have been scared off by all of the, the work and the, I don't even want to say stress because it hasn't really been stressful. It's just been like a lot to organize and get things done. And, you know, I think like, um, sometimes moving on decisions like if it's something kind of that you know you want maybe not overthinking it and just trusting that it's going to work out um you know like you'll figure out how to how to make it work like when we got this farm we didn't have a a team really in place um but we've like put the pieces together and now I feel like we have a really good team here and like the farm's being really well run and managed and taken care of and 
but had I like gone into the purchasing decision, like being stressed about all of like, how am I going to do this and that and that? Like I maybe would have like pumped the brakes, but sometimes you just got to jump in and figure it out and trust that like, you know, if you have, again, like I was saying, the right mindset and like work ethic, you'll, you'll make anything work. Like if you want it bad enough. Um, and it's been really rewarding too, like seeing this hard work pay off. And there was a point in time where I never thought maybe I wanted another farm because I was like, that's too much. But now that I have it and it's like, I'm just really happy that I made that leap and didn't get too stuck up in all of the the details to start because I think that can hold you back from doing doing pretty cool things when you overthink it and stress about the details that you don't know, like trusting that it will work out usually makes it work out so I don't know if that was more of a ramble but yeah that was was a big life lesson I think this year yeah and I think I'll like almost build and echo off that statement with one of the the life lessons that you know I've been feeling is um this might one of my dad's like cliche movie quotes but like if you build it they will come um Mm -hmm. and I think that the year has been a huge success that's also been kind of shadowed with some doubts for me, right? I I have two businesses that are within the first year or two years of being open, and that's a really, really tricky place to be in, right? Of like mm-hmm. success, and I'm sure you're feeling a lot of these same things with the farm. Um, but I have had times where I've doubted that my sports psychology practice is going to be big enough and widespread enough. And like, how do I get my name out there? Am I doing the right things for marketing and almost the same sort of sentiments for the gym. And I would say like this past month has been great for new clients. And, um, I really feel like I'm helping people, which is hard because sometimes you help them and then they're not paying you anymore. So, you know, it's like it's like a hard profession to be in. Right. Of like, yeah, I I help someone and, and then I lose that, you know, income there. But it's then that person tells their friend and they tell their, oh, she helped my daughter or she helped this person and uh, this success story. And so I'm really starting to see that natural growth. And um, last night at the gym was probably one of our biggest nights for classes. I mean, we had literally packed mats from the little kids to the youth, to the adults, to the second adult class. Like it was just so fun to see the energy in the room come together. And so I think what the lesson there is, is just because something isn't living up to the expectation that you have in your head right now, doesn't mean that it will never do that, right? And I think that's honestly a lesson that I talk to my clients about is like expectations can really screw you over because if you are a training level rider that has a really bad fall and you expect yourself to be able to just go back on, get back on and go training again with no fear, 
uh, that's a hard sort of situation to navigate, right? Because there is fear, there is anxiety, you've had a bad fall, your body's going to react in a different way to this thing that you love. And so, you know, if I expect my business to be a certain way of I'm meeting with X number of clients a week, and then I'm not and I have a slow week, like, you don't know that the next week's going to be twice as busy, and you're going to be running around and doing all the crazy things. Um, Again, Emily, we're just like babbling now, but I really feel like that is a really, really strong lesson to say, yes, obviously, let's be realistic where we are and let's admit failures where they are, but like also have the trust and belief in things coming together. If you work hard and you continue to try different avenues, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um. No, that's fantastic. And I feel like that's a great, like what you were saying about expectations kind of leads me into my other lesson, big lesson of the year, um, which is the, the Maryland five star. So I going into the, into Maryland had like pretty high expectations because we've had a great year. We were top 10 at Kentucky in the five star, like we were top 10 at the ACs, we were fifth at a four star, like we've had a quite a good year. And I felt really good coming into the Maryland five star, you know, and my, my goal was, you know, finish on my dressage score. Um, and, uh, our dressage <laughs> could have been better, which, I mean, we had some lovely moments, um, but he, I mean, that's, as we all know, it's his least favorite part, but he also like got something in his nose and was like sneezing at the beginning of the test. And then that kind of like set the tone. It was just a bit weird. The Poor first Mary. like two movements. I know. And then uh, anyway, but overall, like I was happy. He showed much more uh, balance and connection in parts of his test. You know, we went from getting like 7.5s and I think we got an eight or two or something, but, um, and then, you know, the other moves that weren't great got like a two. So that, that really messes with your score. But overall, you know, dressage was what it was. Cross country, um, like the track looked hard, um, which I think that was Ian's point. Uh, but like I felt really confident coming into it because, um, you know, it was our six five star at that point, done badminton burly, like, you know, I felt I felt pretty good about it and I had a plan. Um and the course just rode a bit differently than I thought. Uh Barry was great. He tried his little heart out. Um, but at I think it was number thirteen, it was like the Magnawave Mound or I forget exactly what they called it, but there was this big roll top like set halfway down the hill if you landed jumping downhill then you had to do a 90 degree turn up this mound this like narrow log on the top of the mound and then it should have been two strides down like a steep you know the back side of the mound and over this shoulder brush and I was early in the the running so I didn't get to see anybody go I didn't have any feedback and like when I walked that line like it seemed pretty straightforward I wasn't actually worried about it. And then we jumped A, turned to B, and then 
USC, he just couldn't quite get it done in two. Like to get the two, you had to basically take off on the hill. And like Barry's a little bit too careful. Like he tried to add one in and it just wasn't there. So he just popped out like he wasn't being bad. Um, But like in that moment, all of my expectations for that event kind of like went out the window. And I had to very quickly decide what I wanted to do because like that actually wasn't even in my mind that that was like a possibility. Right. So very quickly, I'm like, okay, do I stop? Like, do I just put my hand up and save him for another day? Do I keep going? You know? And, um, then I kept thinking, I was like, quickly, I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep going. Like if he feels funny anywhere else, I'm just going to stop. But um, he kept jumping around and um, but the whole course, I was just like a little bit in my head. But then I think before the big crab water, I was like, all right, I got to like, I can't be in my head. I'm on the course now. I got to just finish it. And also I was thinking about like my completion rate. I'm like, I want to complete all of the five stars that I do. So that kind of kicked me into gear and we jumped around the rest of it great um and then he show jumped fantastic the next day and he was only one of four like clear jump rounds I think and um anyway he was he was so good and we still finished 11th because Maryland was like it was utter carnage like it just it did not go well for a lot of people um so anyways that was just I guess the lesson that I learned was like, I'm trying to, trying to piece it together, like going along with the expectation, like you should, I don't know, maybe you can help me out, Tyler, because it's like, you should have kind of like a goal, but if you're so set on this like expectation and it doesn't work out, like, can you quickly pivot and like come up with a different goal or different expectation? Or do you just throw it out the window I mean, for me, I was pretty proud of myself for continuing to like ride on, even though like I was gutted because I was like, well, you know, I, I had in my mind, like this was going to be our five star. And like, had we not had that stop, we would have been like a podium finish probably. Um, so it just, you know, it was like, it, it was just a hard, hard situation and like, I know that we're better than having a 20, you know, so it's just, it was a lot to process, but um, yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Emily, do you think that the thought process and the mindset of going to do well um, affected your ability to ride that because like you hadn't, hadn't expected the plan? I, and obviously like, you know, this is a multi-layered question. I feel like it's hard to walk a course and say, these are the things that I'm going to do if, if something goes wrong. Um, and it's nice to walk and feel really confident and feel like you've got it and you're going to do all the things. But like, do you think that there's another scenario where you had kind of been mentally preparing for worst case scenarios that you could have ridden better or... Uh, do you think that there was like a different relationship with pressure? Like take me through kind of the mindset that you had going into it. Yeah. I mean, I always do like not, 
not on my first walk and not on my last walk of the course, but you know, one of the middle walks, I do kind of like go through, okay, if I have a problem here, like this is going to be like what I do. And like, I do try to think about it briefly. I don't try to dwell on it because that's not helpful, but um, I do try to do that. And I did do that on this course. I just, to me, I underestimated how this course is gonna ride and I I think like Ian the course designer you know uh, I'm not trying to bash him but I think he got it a little bit wrong this time um I think it it was hard but in a bit of a punishing way and I think that based on like the combinations before that like it just got very thinking a little bit backwards and so like I think that that's why we couldn't quite cover the ground and like you know at the end of the day it's my fault I'm the rider I should have been able to react a little bit faster but I think like in my walks I never thought it was going to ride as hard as it did and so I didn't prepare myself to react possibly in the way that like I needed to react to get that done so yeah, yeah. I don't know I, it's it's yeah a lot of layers it's so it's so interesting because I feel like one of the hardest mindsets to perform under is I know I can do really well like honestly yeah. It's so weird and it's so counterintuitive, but when you feel like you have every potential and every right to win, it's so hard Mm -hmm. to go and perform out of that. It's much easier to perform if you have an excuse not to do well, right? Like if uh, some chaos happens or, um, you know, like your horse gets loose, like something weird that throws off the rhythm and throws off the thing, or like, I was sick the week before this, I like, don't have the expectation. And honestly, that's one of the life lessons that I hope to continue to learn is like, how do you go and like perform well without saying I'm going to go perform well? Because I think again, what you experienced in that moment was what we call cognitive conflict, right? Like you went out with this identity as a five-star rider on a proven five-star horse. It's your sixth time around. You've done some of the hardest courses in the world. And you were like, we got this, which is a great confidence mindset to have. Mm -hmm. But then when something did go wrong, it's almost like, well, I don't even know how to cope with it, right? And like it took a little bit of the course to get your brain up to par with the fact that like, hey, we had a mistake. It's okay. Let's brush it off and and ride the rest of the course. But like this is affecting me because my identity and the belief that I had for myself just got washed out of the window with that one stop. And I feel like that's the deeper life lesson conversation too is like as bad as that felt in the moment and as awful as that was there were so many more awful things that happened at Maryland and that's what's able to you know make the post the next day is like of course I'm disappointed but like you know Barry's safe and sound I'm safe and sound and uh you know we live we live to compete another day yeah well and um Jenny from breakthrough 
she had, you know, we had been talking throughout the weekend. She texted me and, you know, I said something about being really bummed about the 20. Um, and she's like, well, it was good for your fans to see that you're not always perfect. And I was like, I suppose, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of like you were saying about the Paragon at the beginning. It's like, you know, you have to, it's not always going to go great. And uh, yeah, it could have been worse could have been better but you just kind of it's how you deal with the situation and then and then uh move on from that and also I do think it made me hungrier for like the next five star you know what I mean but not in like a like a not in a cocky way because now I actually I think I'll be like oh I need to you know be a little less confident or maybe that's not the right thing but you know what I mean it's like I think it might make me uh ride a little differently at the next one so yeah no and I again I think that's something that's complicated and hard to articulate and as you're kind of going and processing that for yourself and your own athleticism that's definitely like a theme that I try to to talk to with my clients I'm like you know the more pressure is exactly what you make it right and like it's hard with our sport because horses are such a extraneous variable that, you know, I could say to a basketball player shooting a free throw at 2 PM on a Tuesday is exactly the same as shooting a free throw that could win you the championship game. It's the same motor skill. It's a pretty closed loop skill of I'm standing on this line and I'm going to shoot the basket. And people mentally get in their heads over that skill and then aren't able to execute on it. And our sport is different because, first of all, no one just jumps around five-star fences like on a weekly basis, right? That's just We're not practicing five-star fences and we're on a horse with a mind of its own. But with Mm -hmm. that said, pressure is still exactly what we make it. And so if it's like, hey, I'm going to go ride with the idea that I'm going to finish on the podium and that puts a lot of pressure to perform and then I'm not ready for the negative stuff to go bad, maybe I need to shift not from less confident perspective, not from uh, I don't expect myself to do well, but put it back on the things that have made you successful in the past, the focus points and cues that like you are in control of instead of making it an ambiguous thing, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. And I feel like I just got a free sports psychology session. So thank you. Good, good, you know, and, and our listeners did too. So um, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So what else? Do you have any other lessons from the year? I guess the one lesson um, that I would say is like labels are dangerous. And I think we've said this in the past, but like I, the more I get into like specific cases or maybe, um, you know, certain situations or clients where I feel like I get stuck or I go and research more, the more that I do that, the more that I realize like, the way that we label ourselves and the beliefs that we have ourselves about ourselves is absolutely everything, right? Like it's 
absolutely everything. And so when I say I'm someone that eats healthy and my belief about eating healthy is that I have to eat completely clean, unprocessed foods 100% of the time. If I'm out with my friends and they say, do you want to order dessert? I'm going to have extreme conflict in my mind because my belief system, dessert isn't healthy. Guess what? Sometimes social connection is more healthy than any food that you could ever put in your body. So by denying myself that, I could be doing myself a disservice. And all of these things, all of these labels, all of these beliefs really affect the way that we experience life. And so just blur the lines. Be open to being all sorts of different things. You can be strong and have weak moments. You can be athletic and have a day where you don't want to do any sports. Like you can be smart and still not know everything because guess what? Nobody does. Emily, you're a five-star rider. Like you can be a five-star rider and still have a mistake on a course. And that doesn't take away the fact that you're a five-star rider. So like, don't let labels change the way that you feel about yourself and about the way that things are going in your life. I love that. Preach, girl. Preach. Woo. Fantastic. It's so funny because, like, the more I do, like, the more I'm like, oh, this is, like, really simple stuff. And I'm like, it's really hard. It's really hard to actually execute and follow and, like, live day by day by day by day and, like, have a Mm -hmm. bad day, have a poor performance and still have the right mindset and perspective on things. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, that that was great. I love that lesson. So I think that might be a good good thing to end on. I, I don't know how to follow that. That was fantastic. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. Um, I guess we probably should have talked about this before we started recording, but do you want to give slash have a training tip of the month, Emily? Um, I would just say, uh, you know, when you're listening to this, when it comes out in December, it's a bit of the off season right um but the off season is the time to work on your basics um right now in our jump ring we have a grid set up i think doing like grids and gymnastics are a really good thing to do um anytime but like especially in the off season you can like work on your horse's footwork and there's lots of fun exercises um to help with whatever you might need whether it's like you know quickness of their feet or straightness or um, elasticity over the fence. You know, there's lots of options, but adding in more grids, um, gymnastics where you don't have to think too much and it's set up to like let your horse figure it out. um, That would be my training tip. I love it. And I would argue that you should call those fundamentals, not basics, right? Because fundamentals are things that take us through the levels. I think people get like Mm. here and they're like, oh, it's basic. It's for beginners, right? Like I'm above that. I don't need that. But like that's, we, we, we call our quote unquote beginner classes at the gym fundamentals because the moves that you're learning are fundamental, right? They're not 
basic. They're not beginner. It works from white to black belt. Um, and your, your grit exercises like help from elementary to five star. It's just the fundamental uh, lessons that you need to be an effective rider. Again, you are your genius, Dr. Tyler. Um, I will put that word in into use. I actually love that. So I'll try to remember to uh, have my students and myself work on the fundamentals. I love it. I love it. Do you have a tip? Um, yeah. So grooming tip of the month hmm what can I say I'm like I have some and I don't know if I've like said them before um okay I'll try to correct you if you have yeah did I ever did I ever talk about like um this time of year like if a horse gets like you know those wither rubs on top like from blankets and Mm -hmm. stuff like um the one thing obviously you can put like the bibs on them and like the slinkies underneath their blankets to protect But first of all, usually a rub like that is caused by an ill-fitted blanket. So like really get Mm -hmm. curious about like how your blankets fit. And then if you're going to ride a horse with something like that, do something to protect it. Um, Whether it be putting a hat, like a fuzzy half pad underneath your saddle pad instead of on top. So they've got that nice fuzzy soft layer in between um sometimes like clipped horses get like those saddle rubs at the back too so it's a good idea to like a fuzzy half pad underneath to help prevent and just add that extra layer of protection um and using like baby powder to help with like the sweat's gonna rub and do all these like nasty things with that so like adding a layer of baby powder before you put everything on I know it will make maybe for like a little bit of a messy saddle pad messy half pad but at the end of the day your horse's health is more important than that fantastic yes that's that's good um Barry tends to get those rubs like at the back of the saddle you know after he's been clipped so yeah the half pad under the saddle pad yeah or uh you can always also like some hair there too that well I've tried that too I've tried to leave a saddle spot for him and it still somehow rubs and it only does it in the winter like when he's clipped other times of year it doesn't so like I I can't figure out what why but it just that's just what it does so all right. Well, I think that just about does it. Um, in terms of what's next, um, Emily, this might be news to you, but um, from our episode that was released in November with Stephanie Everett. Um, Stephanie Everett is a founder of a company called Lake Girl Retreats. I highly recommend going to that episode if you uh, haven't heard it yet. And we have an awesome opportunity for an equestrians only Lake Girl Retreat for our whole equestrian listeners. Um, So that's, I think it's May 16th to 19th off the top of my head. I'll have to double check that. Um, It should be all over. our. That is news to me, but that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she does, she does wellness retreats for just like normal every average day people and uh it's going to be like that but for equestrians so we're going to kind of tier some of the coursework and material towards equestrians um and then emily and i 
also are talking about getting something together at her farm at the beginning of the year, kind of do like a whole equestrian spring into the new year. I think most people that go down to Aiken are starting to arrive around January. So we're looking, you know, early January for that. Um, Just have to figure out our schedules and some life events happening to make that work. But we will do everything in our power to bring that option to you. Um, Emily has a beautiful farm um, in Aiken. If you haven't followed the the Good Fortunes Farm page, make sure you do that as well, because um, anyone that's headed that way for the winter has to make that a, a stop on their on their passport. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the little shout out there. Um, but yeah, and I was thinking, so if we do um, that thing at the beginning of January, that's going to be like, kind of the whole equestrian's anniversary of sorts you know because we did it in Aiken is it five four or five years uh it was 2019 I'm real bad with math in my head I'd have to put it like <laughs> the 2020 that'll be the 2024 five? yeah five so five, five, five years yep oh wow well we have to have to do this now yeah. five-year anniversary yeah, we gotta make Kick that off happen. the new year whole equestrian style. So okay. Great. Well, um, I think that's probably enough information for you all. Uh <laughs> so <laughs> we hope that you have um you know, learned something from our life lessons of the year, or you know, at least this encourages you to ponder some of the your own lessons that you've learned in 2023 and yeah we just hope this uh this is helpful in some way shape or form um and make sure you're finding us on instagram facebook the whole equestrian community we're out there on socials um got some nice content out and information and we love hearing from listeners about their success stories their life lessons so be sure to share that with us as well all right well thanks so much for listening we're bridging the gap between riding and wellness And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.